Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. If you're looking for jewelry that makes an impact on your self-care routine and your style, Empowerography would love to offer you a discount code to one of our exclusive partners, Quartz and Canary Jewelry and Wellness Company. Please use code EMPOWER15 to receive 15% off upon checkout at www.quartzandcanary.com. Quartz and Canary is truly the place where spirituality meets style. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Jade Shaw. She is an out-of-body experience researcher and an astral projection teacher. Hey, Jade, how are you doing this morning? I'm good, thank you. Just sat here in England with my cup of tea. <laughs> so good afternoon to you then, because it's morning here. So thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. I know we've tried a few times to get this done, and now we're finally here, and I'm so happy and honored and excited to have you here and jump in and learn a bit more about and share about who you are and what you do with the audience. So I appreciate you taking the time to be here and make the time to chat with me today. Uh, Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So Jade, as I mentioned, you're an out-of-body experience researcher and astral projection teacher. For those who are listening and might not know, can you explain what astral projection is? Yes, great question. And in a way, what astral projection is depends on the lens that we're looking through at it. So what I mean by that is my background is in transpersonal psychology, which is a strand of psychology uh, that looks at spirituality and consciousness, but really it's from the Western psychological perspective. So I kind of look at astral projection mainly from that angle. And that would say that it is our self-awareness, an aspect of our consciousness, if you like, shifting beyond or expanding into other places beyond the body. Whereas, for example, in Tibetan Buddhism, they would say an aspect of your consciousness is is literally leaving, actually somehow going beyond your body into other coexistence existing dimensions around us and that's not dissimilar to some shamanic perspectives who would say the spirit or part of the spirit is leaving the body and going into the spirit world so it is effectively a practice that is done through many different traditions over hundreds of thousands of years but the way we make sense of it is slightly different depending on how we're looking at it that's a mouthful <laughs> <laughs> that is a mouthful the easy, the simplest way, if I was to act this out, I'm, I'm, my background is in dance. So I tend to right. use my body a lot when I talk. Okay. So I often say to people, if I were to have one right this second, yeah. I would have the sensation of separating or coming out of my physical body so much so that I'd be able to t- turn around and look at myself sitting here in the chair. It's that vivid. So it's a little bit like when you would be having a near-death experience and floating out of the body and seeing what's around you. Or maybe if you've taken too much plant medicine or psychedelics <laughs> and you feel like you're shifting out. But equally, it can happen in very deep meditation and also on the cusp of sleep. So you can sort of see here that it happens in an altered state. That's the connecting thing with the psychedelics, the sleep, the meditation, deep yeah. relaxation. We enter an altered state of awareness, and then we can springboard from there into an out-of-body experience. That is incredible. So how long have you been teaching astral projection and researching OBEs? Well, not very long, to be honest. I had a big experience that changed my life about seven years ago. Okay. And so it was probably for about five years, I'd say. I've been having experiences since I was a child in terms of uh, having direct experience of this phenomena but effectively I've been teaching and researching for about five years so having those and experiencing that as a kid you must have been like what the hell is going on what is this and why is this happening to me exactly it was like what the actual I mean if I swore as a child I'd be like what the actual fuck is happening here (laughs) like oh my god this is mental and it was mental and it feels mental at the time especially when you don't know what it is it can be super super scary but that's what actually got my curiosity when I started to learn that these experiences I had as a child could be something more other than you know a dream or 
uh, imagination. And it was when I picked up Robert Monroe's book, Journeys Out of the Body, and I was reading it, I was going, oh my God, this is what happened to me as a child. Was I actually having out of body experiences? I wonder if it's true. I wonder if it is more than a dream. And so I did some of the techniques and ended up having a really life-changing experience, which blew my mind. And it was quite nice to unravel what had been happening to me as a child and thinking I wasn't going mad. I was having these experiences. Yes. I want to say to your listeners, actually, you know, if you've had something similar and you think, oh my God, am I going absolutely nuts? Am I going crazy? Yeah. No, you're not going crazy. Your experiences (laughs) are valid. And your experiences are real. I've been through it too. So you can chat to me anytime about it. (laughs) (laughs) Can you speak a little bit about that life-changing experience? How that was for you? What happened? What you experienced? Well, sure. So it it was was quite what we call a classic out-of-body experience. So as I mentioned, I'd been reading Robert Monroe's Journeys Out of the Body. And I tried some techniques for about a month and it wasn't working. So I kind of gave up and thought, you know, maybe it was all just a dream, a very vivid one. And as soon as I let go of practicing, (laughs) this often happens, I then had a big experience. So one night I got up to go to the toilet, came back to bed. And as I got in bed, I dropped straight into what we call the vibrational state. Now, this is the second step to astral projection. And it's when you may feel your whole body vibrating. Sometimes you feel electricity fizzling through your body. You might see lots of colors, hear really random sounds like banging, clapping. Sometimes it's like you're in a vacuum or a rocket ship, but it's very overwhelming, very intense. So this was happening and I was, aha, this is what happened to me as a child. I recognize this is the vibrational state. I'm going to do an exit technique. So I decided to do a tool called the rollout method. And I rolled out of my physical body and stood up at the side of the bed. And I was like, oh, my God, I've just come out of my body. This is it's real. It's happening. I've done it again. And I turned around and I looked at myself lying there. And and, and it's the most surreal experience because it, it, it and this is one of the most common phrases that that people say when they've had an OB, they say, it felt realer than real. Imagine having an experience that felt realer than the reality you are satting and experiencing now. How could that be possible? Yeah. But that's what I experienced. And so I'm looking back at my physical body and I have this inner gnosis, this inner truth, this knowing come up, which was, I am not my physical body. And I'm not limited to my physical body. And if I'm not limited to my physical body, perhaps there's other limitations that I don't have in life. In fact, maybe I don't have any. There's just infinite possibilities. (laughs) And so this is all within a fraction of a second. I'm having this insight through feeling. It's not even a thought. It's an experience of knowing. And then I'm trying to hold that in that space. And then I decide to, from there, I'm like, well, I'm here. I should probably go do something. So I fly out the window and I drop down into the street and I'm in the street outside the Buddhist center where I lived at the time. And I was thinking, I feel weird. I don't feel physical. I don't feel heavy. So I looked down and my whole, what would have been a body was shimmering. It's kind of like a translucent cloud. And when I moved what would have been my hand, this kind of beam of light moved. And and it was was like when uh, you move your hand very quickly and you sort of see your fingers trace behind. Like a trail, Uh, light trails. Like a trail. There you go. And, and it was crazy. And I do remember thinking, oh, my God, this is so cool. I'm like some crazy energy light being. But what was interesting was I had heightened sensory perception. So I could sense the dew on the tip of the grass several meters in the park to my right. What? And I could sense the dust in the sunbeams hovering above me, like particles hanging in midair. So it was being like wired to the universe. So again, you're kind of holding this intense experience, but trying to stay calm. Because I knew when you have these experiences, stay calm, don't get too emotional. Otherwise you lose control and snap back to your body. Right. So I decided, right, I'm out. I'm going to go and verify this experience. I'm going to try and evidence that this is real. Yeah. So I traveled down a few streets to somewhere I hadn't been before. 
and I came to a house on a crossroads on the left hand side that had a green door with an arch shaped top with paint stripping off and it said number 18 and I thought okay I'm going to remember where this is I can remember the way and it says number 18 so okay got it okay I'm still here what do I do now this experience <laughs> is, is super long this is unusual so I decide to kind of open my energy arms if you like and make a grand gesture to the place that I was in the street up to the heavens and I said take me to Nirvana now my association with Nirvana is from a Buddhist background which is kind of like a heaven but heaven in Buddhism is sort of like an enlightened state of mind right so I say take me to Nirvana I make this (laughs) command and then all of a sudden the experience was completely out of my control some sort of unseen force picked me up and I floated up up above the trees but before I got to the clouds I passed through what appeared to be or felt like a thin film sort of hanging in the sky and as I passed through I lost my energy body there was no sense of up down and left right anymore as I entered a huge massive tunnel that filled the entirety of my perception and at the end was a white light (laughs) and I was gravitating like a magnet towards this white light and I was a point of floating awareness now you do get this in out-of-body experiences sometimes you have what we call an astral or an energy body but sometimes you can be a bit like a floating eyeball you're just a point of awareness so I'm going towards this white light in this huge tunnel and I do remember being a bit a bit uh cynical which might be related to my dry sense of English humor and I remember thinking are you kidding me (laughs) <laughs> this is so cliche what the huge tunnel with the white light at the yeah, end yeah are you kidding me are you for real <laughs> but even though I kind of had the attitude I got halfway down the tunnel and I just got scared I was thinking what is going to happen to me if I get to the end am I going to yeah. die where am I going to go and as soon as I felt fear what happened back I snapped back to my physical body and I woke up and I sat up in bed and I was looking at my arms which had static all over them. Yeah. And my ex-husband at the time was in bed with me and he woke up and he just saw me sat there with arms out staring at them. And right. he knew something had happened because we're both uh, dream yogis. We practice lucid dreaming and have sleep right. practices. So he was going, what happened? What happened? <laughs> I said, I think I've just had an out-of-body experience. Yeah. And he goes, oh, okay, all right, well done. <laughs> Rolls over and goes back to sleep. Typical. Holy sh- it sounds like a plant-induced experience exactly exactly but that day I went back to the house on the crossroads Mm -hmm. to see if it was the same door number that I'd seen in my experience and it was number 18 (laughs) it absolutely blew my mind and I thought how is this possible and this is what ultimately led me to change careers because I couldn't go on doing the same thing knowing what I knew now And I really wanted to look at it from an academic perspective because I didn't want to kind of align with any belief systems interpretation of the experience. I kind of wanted a neutral approach to to looking at it. So that's why I did my master's degree in transpersonal psychology. And for my dissertation, I studied the transformative effects and how they impact people's lives. So I looked at healthy people who have these And the reason why I'm I'm putting out healthy people is because often in the West, it's associated with pathological conditions, uh, for example, association. So, you know, you go to your therapist and you say, I've been having out-of-body experiences. They're going to go, okay, have you had a trauma? How have you been feeling? You're going to be thinking you're going into some sort of psychosis or dissociative depersonalization, right? uh, which isn't necessarily the case. And they they aren't the same thing, although you can springboard from dissociation into an out-of-body experience because it's an altered state so yeah so then that's basically the experience (laughs) that is unbelievable (laughs) it sounds so fucking surreal like people some people must look look at you when you're telling this about talking about this people must be thinking what the fuck is she talking about like how (laughs) this this just sounds too far out there to be real exactly but do you know what I and and I I didn't share it for a long time for the the worry of that but what, what right. I found when I did start sharing 
was that actually more often than not, people will go, oh my God, I've had a similar experience or, oh my God, my friend has had this or my granddad had an experience in the war. My friend had an accident and came out of their body. So there's something about in sharing what happened to me gives others the permission to share what happened to them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, It tends to open a doorway to a conversation and that conversation can turn weird at times, but I quite like that. (laughs) (laughs) I remember my grandmother telling me she had an, an OBE she was in the hospital having heart surgery and she said she remembers and she never told me the whole experience, but she did tell me some of it. And she said that she remembered being above her body. She saw her physical body on the operating table. They had her heart out of her body. They were massaging her heart. And she said she could hear everything the doctors were saying, see what they're doing. And she went down that tunnel of white light, exactly like you described And she said she got to a certain point and someone was there telling her, no, you got to go back. So, and then that's all she ever told me. And she remembers going back into her body and that was it. And she never told me anything else about the experience, but exactly like down that tunnel, you see though, it's it's just a white light tunnel and she got sent back. Yeah, it is like you hear the same thing things over and over again from people from different cultures different backgrounds different religions this tunnel of white light and and I do you know what I wish I had not got scared and passed through the white light at the end because people have these profound experiences Mm. and many of them report meeting a dead loved one on the other side of, of the white light maybe being given a message or some information from that loved one and then being given a choice of whether they want to stay or whether they want to go. Right. But it sounds like, was it your grandma, did you say? Yeah. yeah. Sounds like your grandma was had a lot more work to do here before yeah. she to move on. So she didn't even get the choice. She was like, no, she was sent back. She was sent do. back. And she's passed on <laughs> since she passed in 2020. But she was here. That happened in, it had to be, I think it was the 80s that happened. So she came back. She had quite a few years left here. So yeah, she had a lot more work to do, but just unbelievable. I mean, it sounds very common. Like you said, though, when you open that door and start having those conversations, it gives other people their permission to start talking about it because they feel more comfortable because you've brought it up or you've initiated the conversation. So, oh, it's okay to talk about this. People aren't going to think I'm fucking crazy. (laughs) Exactly. And the fun thing is, is, they feel like they're not going to be judged as well because if you're talking about this so they often open up about other related mystical experiences which is why you end up going down a rabbit hole of all (laughs) sorts of crazy experiences yeah which is just wonderful I think it's a a wonderful conversation to have it's definitely better than small talk yes definitely more interesting so you had mentioned that you had kind of switched paths so what were you doing before you started doing all this Yes. So I was a choreographer and a dance teacher. Ah, I used to work for a few different companies in London, Royal Academy of Dance, Sadler's Wells Theatre, and I ran my own company as well. Okay. um, Which, um, yeah. So teaching dance, all different kinds of ages, doing choreography, working with people in community education, also professionals for about 12 years, that would have been, which, you know, I really, really feel like I was meant to be doing that then and I'm meant to be doing what I'm doing now because they they are ultimately linked for example you cannot have a practice of -of out-of-body experiences unless you are a very embodied being right so I've had the the 15 years of dance training in order to prepare to have out-of-body experiences and to teach others to Uh have out-of-body experiences because it's not dissimilar to the idea in shamanism where you know you have to have strong roots that reach down deep in order to fly up high so if you haven't got that strong embodiedness in this physical reality you're just gonna you know float away and you, you won't have that strong connection to be able to bring the wisdom back right and integrate it into your everyday life if they're mm. ungrounded so i bring a lot of the dance practices and the somatic uh, awareness tools into the workshops okay. at the end so people can then ground their experiences when they yeah. come back do you miss that world at all yeah i do i often have dreams that i'm teaching dance so mm. i do miss it but i still dance so yeah. I go in for myself. I go right. and do ecstatic dance, movement medicine, kind of fire rhythm stuff because I need to. It's my, I did a podcast recently and she 
said, what helps you stay in grace day to day? And I was like, dance. So I also said coffee. So, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So you are still connected to that world though. So that's good. Yeah. So what actually happens to someone when they have an out-of-body, like technically what is actually happening to someone when they're having an OBE? Yes. So from the Western psychological perspective, you are, so you generally don't have any feeling of the physical body. We get to a place called total body dissolution. You can't feel it anymore. And you feel yourself floating out. Sometimes you can sink backwards. You can roll out to the side. There's many different ways in what I call exiting. And then the most common experience is you find yourself in the same place as your physical body. So usually the bedroom or wherever you're lying or, or doing meditation, but you can enter you into, uh, you know, what I call the dimensions or realms and how we make sense of what those actually are depend on the lens we're looking through against. So, you know, this idea that there's a multiverse or quantum realities or are these just dimensions of my own mind that I'm traveling in? And can we test that? So we go into these other different environments and then within those we might meet what appear to be different beings or spirits or other travelers like ourselves. And then you get messages, insights, you have connections, encounters, and then the wisdom we gain from that, we kind of bring it back. So it's kind of like going on a journey in different realms and realities, but it's very different to just doing a guided meditation. As your grandma found out, you're not just picturing in your mind's eye, traveling through a thing. You, you are actually there away yeah. from your body, experiencing it as it is, as it was real, as it, as if it's real, yeah. because it is. So, <laughs> so that's the experience that we're having. Um, and some people, some old traditions believe that it is the soul or the spirit traveling beyond the body, particularly the spiritualist perspectives in theosophy that really uh, popularized it. And a lot of the books are on that. So if you get a book, usually it's taught from that perspective, like the okay. spirit or soul is traveling. It's often called soul travel right. in these different dimensions of existence, often related to what people believe happens beyond death. For the Tibetan Buddhists, they'd say you're going into the Bardo states, the Sufis, the imaginal realms. And oh, there's another one, I can't remember the names, but these, these in-between spaces, the spirit world in shamanism, right. for example, and that you're traveling in these sorts of places. Neuroscience would say you're traveling within worlds within your own mind. But yeah. then, you know, there's the old philosophical question of like, well, where does my mind finish and where does the external world begin? Right. Uh, which is something that you can definitely explore in an astral travel journey. In fact, that's a pretty crazy experience to explore. And I'm sure you've done it. <laughs> Yes, you can have experiences of non-duality and obviously oneness, interconnectedness. And there's kind of a cool story from the CIA. I don't know if you've heard of this. Okay. So related to what we're just saying about going into uh, these bigger states of, of mind, uh, the CIA went and trained out-of-body experiences back in the 19, late 1970s, and they went to the Monroe Institute, which was Robert Monroe's venue, and it's the biggest institute in the world for the research of expanded states of consciousness. And the CIA went and trained it, and they wrote a report. That report came back, and in that report, it says the universe is holographic, which of course is one of the theories in physics, and that we can teleport our awareness anywhere within that this is in the report it's not a conspiracy wow. theory they wrote this but there was a secret there was a missing page and this was called page 25 okay and nobody knew where it was and they were like well why is this torn out of this report what did it say and no one knew where it was for years and then last year they found it and it was in the archives of the Monroe Institute. And so it got released and you can certainly see why it was torn out of a scientific report. It suggested that you can access what is called or known as in philosophy and some religious uh, traditions, the absolute, which is effectively kind of like uh, to simply put this kind of God or source right. or wide, wider, bigger consciousness, yeah. the, the universe. Uh, so they said, yes, you can you can access the absolute and it'd be interesting. And they were talking very scientifically interesting to, you know, see what that might be and explore that. And <laughs> we're like, this is the CIA in the 1970s. This is that's, crazy. Yeah, that's mind boggling. Um, <laughs> Holy shit. Exactly. And so I think that's always 
it's quite nice to know that there is on one hand nice to know that they was exploring that then but then my the other part of me is like hmm, why were they wanting to use out of body experiences and not and back in the 70s to... exactly i think i mean i've forgotten this but there's some sort of i think they were you using it in the soviet union or hitler was also exploring it i'd heard rumors I, i'll have to draw it up out of my my notes yeah there's some sort of room of that happening wow <laughs> now i read that you take a more mindful approach to obd obes can you speak a little bit about that and how it differs from other people's approaches yeah, well, I, th- I tend to find, so generally speaking, others will have a particular belief system that they teach from. Some it's spiritualist, some it's more shamanic. For others, or, or actually very few, it's more secular, like Robert Monroe is more secular. He doesn't have a particular belief system. And so my background is is kind of in Buddhism, so I take a mindfulness approach. One reason is just practically, if you are not very mindful, you're just not going to be able to do the techniques right. that enable you to get out of body. You have to be able to hold focus, concentrate, in some cases, visualize or imagine in order to have the experience itself. But then when you are out of body, you might freak out, you might panic, you might get all sorts of crazy emotions, and that can send you into different realms, different dimensions, or it can just send you back to your body like it did in my big experience. Applying mindfulness to these sorts of altered states enables you to have clearer experiences, truer experiences that aren't attached to your own perception or the story you're telling yourself about the event that is unfolding, and also longer experiences so it really is the most, I think, obviously I'm going to be biased, but I think it is the best approach. But you can apply the mindfulness to any altered state practice, plant medicine, meditation, which is a mindfulness practice. Yeah, it just enables people to have longer, bigger, better experiences in a nutshell. Okay. Now you had mentioned there's, there's different steps in the process of going through an OBE or astral projection. Can you explain what those steps or processes are? and how they play into it, how they, how the experience goes from start to finish. What are the steps? Yeah, there's three steps. The okay. first is the mind awake, body asleep state. So okay. this is when the mind is really awake and focused and aware, but the body is completely asleep. It's so relaxed to the point where you cannot feel it anymore. Ideally, total body dissolution you can access that through deep relaxation mindfulness meditation but the easiest way that we can access it is on the cusp of sleep because we kind of pass through it every morning and every night anyway so we may as well harness that if we're going through it so this is what i call uh, the hypnagogic and the hypnopompic so you can access mind awake body asleep also known as maba m-a-b-a through the hypnagogic falling asleep, hypnopompic waking up. Once you can get to that state, you then want to try and trigger the vibrational state. So this is step two. Vibrational state can feel very, very intense, or it can be very subtle depending on the person and where they're at in their practice. It seems like the more experiences you have, the less intense the vibrational state gets. Kind of like the glue that fixes the energy self to your body becomes looser and looser over time so it's been described as kind of being in a rocket or a vacuum your whole body is vibrating rushes of energy flashes of light lots of crazy sounds but it can also be kind of just very subtle like a hum or a buzzing Uh, And also can be very quick, like a flash. When I was um, being the consultant for Behind Her Eyes, the Netflix show, I taught a workshop to the actors. And one of them who didn't particularly believe, let's say, in these sorts of experiences, (laughs) but was very open to doing it as research for his character. He was Rob, played Rob in a series. It was only a 90 minute workshop and I taught some baby. And we had a sharing circle at the end. He didn't say anything, but then I was packing away, getting ready to leave. And he came up to me, sort of tapped me on the shoulder and was like, I felt lightning. I, I, I was hit by lightning. And I was like, tell me a little bit more. He's like, lightning bolts going through my body. Like, <laughs> it was lightning. And I was like, okay, 
this is a good thing. This, this sounds like it's the vibrational state, which is fantastic. And that is really good in your first workshop to be hitting the vibrational state. And he was like, no, no, you don't understand. There were lightning bolts going through my body. And I was like, it's okay. It's safe. It's normal. You're okay. You're going to be fine. Because he was so real, so physical, so intense. He, he couldn't believe that it, it was a thing. Yeah. But I managed to convince him it was fine. And he just hit the, vi- the vibrational state. So if he'd have done an exit technique, at that time he would have probably had an out-of-body experience but usually we're so taken aback by the intensity or the panic that um it takes a bit of getting used to but he experienced it as as lightning strikes this is the feeling of the electricity i i I might often say people explain it as that not everybody has that everyone's slightly different okay so the third step would be the exit technique. So I don't like the word exit because I don't believe we are completely and ultimately leaving the body. I believe okay. an aspect of our conscious awareness is leaving. Yeah. But I use exit because it's just easy and simple. Yeah. The exit techniques, there's all kinds. My favorite, this is a terrible metaphor and I should stop using it, <laughs> but I'm going to say it anyway. Yeah. You're either a floater or a sinker is what I say. <laughs> <laughs> I told you it was bad. So I'm a sinker. I sink out the back of my body, and that's how I enter most experiences. But the most common one is actually people who float up and out. But you can roll out to the side. You right. can go out one part of your body, like you can sort of siphon out of your ear. You can go down through your feet. You can shoot out pretty quick, almost like like a lightning yeah. strike. And then you can kind of dissolve out or phase out. And I often call this a little bit like when Scotty beams you up to the Starship Enterprise and you phase (laughs) back in. That's a fun one. I I like that. So you kind of, you can kind of teleport out. So these are all sorts of different exit techniques and the techniques that work for you will depend on, are you a visual person? Are you a felt sense person? Are you an auditory person? Uh, Are you a logical, rational person? Are you very creative so there's certain practical techniques that work for different people. And it's a case of trying them out, pick and mixing and seeing what works for you. However, some people can just spontaneously have them. And this often okay. happens like me as a child. You yeah. spontaneously have the experience because you hit what I call the sweet spot without knowing. Right. You're in bed, right. you slightly a bit awake. And you kind of like have an intention, like, oh, I'm going to turn my body or I'm going to get up to go to the toilet. And you unknowingly exit the body through a strong intention, but your body's wow. asleep, but your mind's still awake. One of my friends who's a researcher, Dr. David Luke at Greenwich University, he's one of the leading researchers in the world for psychedelics and mental health. He hadn't had any psychedelics in yeah. this experience I'm about to share. <laughs> he'd got up out of bed and he'd gone to the toilet and his hand went straight through the door, uh, which is what can happen because you can walk through walls, your hand goes through doors. And he was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm out of my body. <laughs> I'm back in my bed. So he went back to his body. Yeah. Go back inside to then get up and go to the toilet in the physical. Wow. Um, he accidentally hit that sweet spot, that, yeah. that great time in between wakefulness. But so you are awake, but you're very deeply relaxed to have the experience. Um, but I say what often teaches you have a projection plan. So you have a strong intention of something you want to go do. Yeah. Or someone you want to see so you don't kind of waste an experience that they are relatively rare so okay. if you have one i say don't waste it wandering around your house you can do that <laughs> in the physical world why do you want to just walk into your garden yeah. to be fair, the first experience is so profound that even wandering around your house is is so fantastic it can be life-changing but i say okay you know do you want to go and heal your trauma do you want to go and see a place in the world or the planetary system would you like to see what your purpose in life is would you like to meet someone who's potentially passed over to heal your grief and get closure or would you like to just have fun and see if you can fly <laughs> so it's to have the uh, have a strong intention which is underpinned by one's motivation so the reason why and this is often the secret technique if you have a strong reason why then you're more likely to have the experience because your unconscious mind or your higher self is more likely to get on board if I say I want to go spy on my ex-boyfriend down the road I don't think my higher self is going to get on board and go yeah let's go do that yeah whereas if I go I want to come out of my body to meet my dead father to heal my grief so that I can move on in an area of my life yeah my higher self is going to be like hell yeah let's do it (laughs) a bigger purpose exactly exactly that is absolutely wild so 
what are the differences then between OBE and astral projection? I read that OBEs often get confused with or mistaken with astral projection. Is that correct? Kind of, yeah, and no. So, I mean, okay. I, I see astral projection as a self-initiated out-of-body experience. Astral projection won't really be accepted in, in Western science or psychology, but out-of-body experiences are. And that's because of the, the stigma and the association to a lot of the old esoteric practices and spiritualist practices that have sort of, they've kind of like got hold of the term astral projection and there's a lot of baggage that comes with it. Right. Um, so out-of-body experiences are scientifically uh, acknowledged and recognized, whereas astral projection is more associated with all the esoteric stuff but even within that they will say astral projection is a self-initiated out-of-body experience the extra thing with that is that some people say that astral projection is associated with out-of-body experiences that happen on the astral plane there's this notion that there's different planes of existence different right. realms direct dimensions and the astral plane is one of them and so they will say astral projection is when you're having experiences on only on that plane okay and then different maybe different titles for when you have an out-of-body experience going to other other places but i kind of use it in a very loose way and okay yeah so are there benefits for people learning to astral project and what are they if there are benefits definitely and this is what i discovered from my research when I looked at the transformative effects of spontaneous out-of-body experiences in healthy people, there's a spectrum. You've got kind of everyday effects that you can have. For example, you could astral project and find out, uh, some people like to call it your soul's purpose. Again, potentially meeting someone who's passed over, having that last encounter with them, being able to uh, explore notions of reality but for some people they use it as spiritual practice and they try to uh, use it to develop and to attain enlightenment so you can use it from anything from kind of getting guidance and messages for your everyday things yeah everyday life or you can take it to the next level and try to have experiences of non-duality oneness going beyond ideas of self uh, so right. you can really you can really go into a lot of awakening big awakening experiences so it depends on what what one wants to use it for effectively okay okay that makes sense yeah absolutely can you explain what lucid dreaming is and how it relates to astral projection yes okay so in the astral projection community and underground worlds because there's, there's, there's quite a big scene there's this huge debate on whether or not lucid dreaming and astral projection are the, the same thing are they not the same thing i have a very strong view on this okay let's hear it <laughs> let's hear it jade i think you might know what it's going to be <laughs> lucid dreaming and astral projection are not the same thing mm-hmm. because they're not the same that. thing <laughs> okay let me, let me give some context here yeah so again if we're looking from you know uh, the western world and science the phenomenology so what i mean by that is the way these experiences are experienced is lucid dreaming only happens when you're asleep usually in rem rapid eye movement and some deep delta wave sleeps it only happens there Out-of-body experiences happen usually when you're awake, but deeply relaxed on the cusp of sleep, but it can also happen during a panic attack, pregnant women going into labor, stage fright, being in an altered state such as deep meditation. So neurologically, already, there are differences in, in the brain. They're different in the brain. Secondly, a lucid dreamer will typically accept that they're dreaming. They'll go, oh my God, I'm in my own dream. This is amazing. Whoa, I can do all these cool things. It feels super real. Someone in that body experience will be, I am not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> this, <laughs> this is real. This is not a, a dream. This is not a hallucination. They will typically say something like that about their experience. The second thing is your body in a lucid dream will be usually the same as in real life. It feels physically real. You operate yeah. in the same way. Astral projection, you have a light body or an energy body or your floating point of awareness. And it's the same with how we experience the body as well. You usually fly when you are astral projecting. That's most people's mode of travel, flying or teleportation. Whereas in a lucid dream, again, you genuinely will be the same as waking reality. Unless you choose to fly or you choose to specifically teleport, you'll usually wander around like you habitually would. But the way I experience it is... Uh, so explain it is this lucid dreaming is like being in the computer of your own mind you have access to the hard drive the files and the pictures right 
astral projection is like you are going through the internet into the wider net so you have access to other sites other people and information beyond your own mind so lucid dream you're in the hallucination of your own individual psyche whereas astral projection is you're tapping into the collective consciousness or wider realms around you but here's the tricky bit if you imagine there's a cable attached from the computer to the internet so you can actually shift and springboard from the lucid dream into astral projection yeah so you can use it as a as a springboard into that state as well and i teach techniques on how to do that so if your listeners are lucid dreamers and think god well i have lucid dreams now and again it might be easier for them to learn astral projection from the lucid dream than it would the waking state and it's funny because i don't get very many opportunities to talk to people who are regular and quite advanced lucid dreamers and who also have astral projection experiences but i did a a guest slot for charlie morley on his advanced lucid dreaming course and i taught uh, an advanced group of lucid dreamers astral projection and you know some of them were like oh it's probably the same thing they didn't think it was different and then they did the techniques and then they got out of body and they the, the dream dissolved. They were not in their physical body anymore. <laughs> they were in a completely different space. It felt different, like the weight of their body. And they were like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. Like, it's a thing, it's a thing, it's a thing. And I was like, yes. But I was able to experiment with that because they were such advanced practitioners that they were able to notice those differences because um, it's very rare that someone has lucid dreams quite often, because that is such a, a quite a profound experience to have right. in itself as well. Wow, this is, it's, this is also wild. It's incredible. Now, how often do you practice, or do you journal, or do you write down your experiences every time you do it? Like, what? How does it look for you? I'm really naughty at the moment. I haven't <laughs> been. I haven't been practicing lately because lots of excuses I've been very busy a bit stressed and so I haven't been putting the effort in but what I normally would do is and I do have this uh, every day is a projection diary which is similar to a dream diary so I would write down any experiences that I have and and even any sleep experiences because one of the techniques is finding patterns of your different sleep states in order to harness them to use them for astral projections or anything okay. I write down in a projection diary. And I do that every day. And then because of that, and because of my past practice with lucid dreaming and the training in astral projection, I have spontaneous experiences quite a lot. So I'm, I'm very lucky in that respect. Yeah. So if I practice, then I will probably have experiences, but then if I don't, I still spontaneously have them at varying different times. Okay. Now, so I'm very curious to know is astral projection, something that absolutely anybody can do can can i can i learn how to astral project yes 100 it is a natural human experience this is what a lot of people don't understand they think oh it's it's a special thing that only monks nuns shamans medicine women can do you know do i have to go and meditate in a cave somewhere in the himalayan mountains (laughs) for many years to be able to do it and actually back in the day you would have probably done that yeah but uh we nowadays in the modern world we don't need to because we have teachers that can bring the teachings to you like myself so anyone can do this how long it takes a person depends on a few things it depends on their personality type for example if you have a high absorption rate which means how easily you can absorb yourself in an experience like do you cry easily at films can you drop into meditation easily do uh, can you easily hypnotizable so if you have a high absorption rate you're more likely than others to be able to do it because you you can often do the techniques more easily so it's just a very practical thing so personality is one thing the second thing is practice Okay. Uh, you know, people come and they want to have an experience in their very first class. And I say to them, you wouldn't expect to do a handstand balance in your first yoga class. In fact, it'd be probably pretty dangerous. Right. So they have to practice to get the basic fundamentals and then keep going. Because the second part of why people may not have one or those have them quicker is the dedication. So a bit like meditation, sitting on the cushion, you have to consistently do the practices and it will happen for some people it's a few days for other 
people it can be a few months right but for most on average it would probably be a few weeks i'd say unless you've had similar altered state experiences lucid dreamers meditators if you've worked with plant medicine you're more likely to have it quicker than someone who hasn't done those things yeah now you had mentioned that when you were consulting on behind her eyes that the gentleman who came to you at the end when you were packing up and he told you he hit the vibrational state and you told him that's really good for your first time. So is that not normal then for your first time to hit that state? Again, it depends on the person. So okay. no, I'd say most people will enter the mind awake body sleep. So everyone usually gets to step one or they drift in and out of step one. Some people will experience the vibrational state and maybe one or two will will have an out-of-body experience or a partial one where, for example, Eve in the same workshop, the actress who plays the main character, she managed to get her astral head out of her body. So she partially exited, freaked out and was like, oh my God, this is crazy. And then shot back in. So you can often, they'll have a partial exit and then be like, this is mental and then just come back to their body. But that's enough for people to realize, oh my God, this is a real experience. This is a real thing. So it gives them a lot of confidence and a lot of hope. And people get that even from just experiencing the vibrational state. Uh, And then you get excited. So you get beyond the being scared and you're like, I'm feeling the vibrations. Yes, let's go. (laughs) Which is how I get like now when I'm feeling especially if I haven't had one for a while I'm like yes the vibrations are coming let's go but as you said when you're talking about your experience the big one that you had you have to try and remain as calm as possible otherwise that's exactly what's going to happen is you'll get so excited just go right back into your body again right so how the hell do you mindfully do that I mean that's you know that's got to be next to especially for someone doing it for the first time of course your natural reaction is going to be holy fucking shit I'm doing this And then it's going to back into your body, right? Yeah. I'll I'll give two techniques here. If that does happen and you get out of your body and then you're like, oh my God, and then you go back, try an exit technique straight away again. But don't move your body. Don't open your eyes. Just go for an exit because you might get out straight away because you're in that sweet spot. You're in that altered state. Whereas if you get up, open your eyes, move around, you, you're going to completely come out of it. So that's right. the first one. The second tip is I teach a technique called rain technique from Tara Brack, who's a famous mindfulness teacher. She's okay. written some books. I've applied it though to astral projection. Okay. So rain is the first thing is you come out of body, you're really excited, but instantaneously you do the first thing, which is R, recognize, which means recognize where you are. Okay, I'm in my room. There is the so you're sending your attention to your external environment not right. attaching it to your emotions and recognizing what's happening yeah a which is the second bit is accept so okay. accept where you are so you've got to accept i'm out of body accept i'm in my room or whatever space you're in if you've come out into what you might perceive as a dark or negative space still accept being there if you resist it you might end up going back to your body or to a different space. So we accept where we are. And that's a conscious decision. So I accept that I'm here. I is investigate with detailed attention. So you look at your surroundings and you move around as though you're looking at a detailed painting. Again, you're fixating your attention on your external environment, not your emotions. So it calms you down. It's a way of bringing you into the present moment so you're not attached to fear or anger or panic. So investigate. And the last one is non-identification. So this means don't start self-identifying with what's happening around you or what you're experiencing. Say you've got three different people having the exact same out-of-body experience. One of those people might start spinning a story. Let's say someone's come out into a beautiful heavenly place. One person might go, oh my gosh, I'm actually in heaven. I wonder if I'm going to meet Jesus or God, I'm in heaven. Oh, I should look for them. You're starting to spin a story over that experience. Another person might go, oh my God, I am an enlightened being. I am a guru and I am a prophet and I should go back to earth. And uh, this is my new career now. I'm going to be a prophet. (laughs) Again, it's the same experience. And then you might have someone who's just really not bothered go, this is all right. I'm, I'm not that fussed. I'm, I'm just going to leave. I'm going to go somewhere else. So the stories that we spin kind of yeah. shape our reactions to what is happening. Right. So we want to non-attach. Now, when we get back from the journey, we can analyze all we want. We can go, oh my God, was it this? Was it that? What was happening? Yeah. But when we're in it, we need to be really present. 
because the second reason for this is particularly with that last note of non-identification when we're present with the space that we're in our perceptions of what we think it is about kind of fall away and we experience the truth of that environment so if we do go to a dark place and we think oh my god this is evil this is hell am I going to be attacked by an entity once we leave that behind we might find we've entered a space which relates to our trauma And then we can have an encounter there, which will enable us to heal a part of that trauma. Uh But because we're spinning stories over it, we miss that opportunity. So we lose that chance to heal. And this is all part of your mindful approach, being very mindful about what you're doing and know exactly how go into it, thinking about all of these things, like before you get started, right? Have these things in your mind that you've the the rain technique and all of this, like that's a lot to keep in your head and keep calm when you're doing something like this, especially again, for someone who's doing it for the first time. That's a lot of prep. And I guess this also speaks to why this needs to be practiced. And I would imagine it needs to be practiced quite frequently in order to get just like Mm -hmm. anything else in life. The more you practice it, the better you're going to get at it. So, I mean, since the first time I saw your talk on Mind Valley. I thought, oh my God, this would be so fucking, I want to do that. Like, I would love to try this. So what would you suggest is a good starting point for me? I want to, I want to learn how to do this. I want to teach myself how to do this. I mean, of course your workshop will be a great point to start, but what other things could someone do or I do to get familiar and get started with it and then maybe step up to your workshop? Yeah. So it's about cultivating the habits that will follow through into your experiences, which is related to what you just said. You hit the nail on the head. You know, it's practice, practice, practice. So the rain technique, for example, I get people to do that in their everyday life because A, that is just good to do. So you're having an argument with your partner or you're getting scared in a place you've never been before on holiday you do the rain technique so it becomes habitual response to the unknown because effectively you do it in unknown spaces and once that becomes a habit when you then astral project it will become automatic which it is for me now so I would say to do to build the habits that will cultivate the right reactions for when you're in that space so one would be the rain technique okay Uh, one would be keeping a projection diary so people can start that now writing down any dreams any weird night experiences anything about your sleep getting noticed that and then the third thing is you could start almost this is like a yoga nidra technique where you become just aware of what's happening as you're drifting off to sleep this is how we cultivate uh, our ability to hack or harness what i call the hypnagogic highway so you're riding in a car down the hypnagogic highway so you're falling asleep and you'll only get so far down the road before you drop off this is completely normal and natural you want to be able to keep going down the road for as long as possible so it might be a few seconds one night you fall asleep the next night you might get to 30 seconds then one minute one and a half minutes two minutes and when you do that as you drop off to sleep you'll start having hypnagogic phenomena like images hallucinations but you enter into the sweet spot and then from there you can trigger the vibrational state etc so to do that i want you to cycle your attention as you're dropping off to sleep what am i feeling what am i hearing or what am I, what is the last one? What am I hearing? What am I feeling? What am I sensing? So you're anchoring your mind to those three points. Because otherwise, okay. if you just think, I'm just going to be aware when I fall asleep, you'll end up yeah. thinking of what you're going to make for dinner and all sorts of stuff. So you anchor your mind to what am I feeling? What am I hearing? What am I sensing? And the difference between feeling and sensing is feeling is the felt sense, the felt yeah. physical sense. And yeah. sensing is, you know, am I sensing energies? Am I sensing space? Am I sensing something within myself, a feeling? So, and then you cycle between those. And at some okay. point you'll drop off, but you'll get to do it for longer and longer and longer and longer. Right. And then, you know, the side effect to this, yes, it's practicing for astral projection, but actually you are sustaining your ability to have more focus and more concentration and it affects your stress levels and anxiety levels in terms of it helps you cope with them better. Right. So right. All of these positive well-being side effects from just doing mindfulness, to be honest. Yeah. And then also you can cultivate astral projection. So that's a cycling method as you go to sleep into called hypnagogic mindfulness. Okay. So that one, the projection plan, and then the rain technique, you can do that in everyday life when you enter any unknown situation. There's a fun it, one. Shall I give you one more? There's, yeah. a one, there's a fun one. Okay. So this one you have to do with caution, but it is okay. fun. Okay. Um, so have you seen the film Yes Man by Jim Carrey? Yes. He, it's where he had basically, in case your listeners haven't, 
Jim Carrey has to say yes to everything. He often says no. So he's a man that goes about saying no in his life and he doesn't really live to the full extent. And then he meets this guru who says to him, you know, just start saying yes to anything, whatever comes about. So he starts saying yes and goes into all of these crazy shenanigans. So for one week, see if you can say yes to any opportunity that opens itself. So it might be you get invited to a class or to try a new sport or it might be that a conversation happens with a stranger just say yes to having that conversation and go into it could be to go on a trip it might be saying yes to a feeling you've never felt before so it can be quite literal or quite abstract so say yes to it and do that for a full week what this is doing is effectively you're saying yes to the unknown so you're getting yourself comfortable with being in unknown situation and you you're building your courage being in unknown situations so that when you astral project you naturally will start saying yes to a conversation meeting a being entering into a space you've never been before so again it's about building that habit and opening that doorway to the unknown but yeah. i think that's a fun one i did it once that's and i ended cool. up i was doing it for a day and i ended up i got invited i was walking by this this really loud party and this this old guy said hey come and join us and i have to say yes i have yeah. to say yes and i go in and it's um, a beautiful Spanish family who are having this really raucous party, uh, engagement party. And I'm the only person there that is English. I don't speak Spanish. So I just go in and they offer me drinks and I end up partying with them all night, dancing with the granddad, which they all find hilariously funny and have the most amazing fun time and meet loads of people. And then part ways at the end of the night. And I've had this, you know, really fun experience. Yeah. You can also, it, it's a lot of fun, that one. Well, it, it's all preparation, right? So, yeah, I mean, I think that's a great way to to start prepping yourself if you want to get in. Are there any books that people should check out and, and start with as well? Yes. So I, a classic. So it's a bit outdated, if I'm honest, in terms of the sort of science in it. But it is a classic. And that is Robert Monroe's Journeys Out of the Body. The second one, I would say, is very balanced, very grounded by a teacher called Graham Nichols, and it's called Navigating the Out-of-Body Experience. He is someone who has, he's one of the best astral projectors that I know, and he's very grounded, very balanced uh, in his ideas and approach to things. So his is another good one. Just thinking, Robert Bruce's Astral Dynamics is probably one of the biggest books with the most practical techniques. So it's a bit of a brick, but it does have lots of practical exercises. So as a third one i'd say robert bruce um, astral dynamic excellent now is this idea and concept of astral projection still met with a lot of skepticism or is it becoming more widely accepted now yeah it is getting more widely accepted and i think because of other things like reiki other holistic sorts of things shamanism for one you know wicca's getting very popular uh, strands of witchcraft I think people are opening up to uh, ideas of astral projection more so than they would be particularly with the millennial generation and even more so with Gen Z there's a massive trend for astral projection on TikTok and the hashtag astral projection there's lots of young kids uh, talking about it so it, it is getting more popular and I think the more that we go into as well technology uh, there seems to be this I feel like there's this this polarization where we're going more into technology and as we're going to more in technology there's more of a need for connection human connection and you know a lot of these exactly there's this pull push dynamic so the more we're drifting that way the more we're drifting into a lot of the ancient practices and the old ways right and this is one of the old ways so there's more people drawn to it Jade, what do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? It's, I just want to get, we'll step away from all of this time. We'll just get into a little more on the personal side to learn so people can learn a bit more about who you are as a person. I think well, what I've been told <laughs> from a lot of people is, um, and, and I would like to think this actually, is that I'm quite down to earth and I'm quite real. And, you know, I'm just an ordinary person, an ordinary girl that's had these experiences. And I try to make it accessible by, you know, not being too, I mean, I can go really far out to be fair, but I try not to go too, too woo-woo. I feel like I've got quite a lot of, I'm quite a critical thinker. I have a lot of discernment and I think I bring that critical thinking and discernment to the experiences that makes me go, well, hang on. 
is the soul or spirit leaving the body? Maybe it is, maybe it's not. But what is a soul? What is a spirit? Should I be questioning if there's a soul or a spirit? <laughs> what is a question? Like, you know, I'm quite philosophical, quite critical, which I think serves me well in bringing a, a grounded view and making it accessible a, a, as well to everyday people rather than going you know we're gonna try and transcend our you know our physical being and get to yeah. it's like yeah that's great but actually you know I come from a working class background you know Dave down the pub is you know if he's in a place where actually he needs to make sure he needs to survive in some sort of way yeah. he hasn't got time to be doing transcendental practices he's just right. got to focus on living day to day mate you know what I mean yeah. so I like to think that I kind of I make it accessible for for all different people from all walks of life yeah that's what I attempt to do anyway well I would say you're pretty down to earth I mean we've had communications through email and you're very approachable and just down to earth I would have to agree with that 100% absolutely how how do you define success what does that word mean to you I'm just having a think Mm-hmm. Do you know what? That's really hard. And I'm going to go all philosophical again. So, <laughs> like, obviously, you've got the, the general me. I, d- I definitely don't. What I know I don't agree with it is, you know, success being in a materialistic way of, you know, lots of money, big cars, yeah, that sort of thing. And then I was thinking, well, if it's not those things, what is it? Is success being, you know, happy? Is success being at peace? But I actually think success success is even beyond that. Maybe it's, I'm just sharing thoughts as they're coming up here with no particular answer. I wonder if, you know, success is even beyond ideas of success. Mm. You know, the idea, what is success? Success is beyond ideas of success. <laughs> and, and, and now you can see why. <laughs> I sometimes get into all sorts of philosophical thinking. Yeah. So I I don't know, but it's made me think, you know, is success even beyond ideas of success? And I'm kind of thinking of, you know, non-dualistic concepts of, right. of I feel like success is beyond language and success okay. is experience, but I don't know what that experience would be. I'm just th- thinking out loud. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> one more question here, and then I want to jump into a rapid fire section. So Jade, what would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before you learned it? And what was your life like after you learned it okay so I know one thing definitely and I'm still learning it if I'm honest so it's probably presence being present there's like my life before presence and after presence but I'm still attempting to be present and what I mean by that is um not getting caught up in the future not getting tied up in the past not getting kind of fooled by my own ego my own perceptions and and not even having ideas of what it is to be fooled by my own self so so just being present in the moment with what is and then an acceptance comes with that because you uh, you know I don't think you can really be present without accepting where you are because right. they, they go and they're like best friends so presence and acceptance and and that I think I feel like that's my my biggest lesson this lifetime or, or one of them so it's got better my life has definitely got better since attempting to be more present I'm less mad put it this way that way <laughs> I'm less crazy as a person with more presence in my life that's how the difference is is all right okay I want to jump into a little rapid fire section so next grouping of questions just be two three four word answer type thing okay okay how would you describe yourself in one word oh my god I'm not doing very well at the rapid fire am I <laughs> oh my god Oh my God, I genuinely can't think of a word answer. <laughs> Nothing is coming. I was just saying to you, I was just saying to Brad for listeners that I'm trying to be more spontaneous and more intuitive <laughs> in the moment. So I'm, a, I'm attempting to be intuitive. Maybe that's the wrong thing because I'm attempting to be intuitive. <laughs> what, how would I describe myself in one word? Depends on the situation Actually, I'm in. I'm overthinking already. Ah, see why I need to now be more present. <laughs> I love it. Shall we skip I this one? I think easygoing. Easy going, easy going. Yeah, we'll go with easy going. (laughs) If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? Astral projection. What's one thing you want but cannot buy with money? Peace. If you could change one thing about the world, what would you change? Nothing. If you were writing your autobiography, what would the title be? (laughs) I don't know why. I, I don't know why this has just come to mind. And it's probably not right. But being intuitive, this is what just came up. Too many cups of tea. I don't know. I don't know why that is. The title of my actual book that I'm writing is... uh, We'll go with it. (laughs) If you had a theme song that played every time you walked into a room, what song would that be? It would probably be a Queen song. Okay. Maybe Don't Stop Me Now. All right. 
that concludes our rapid fire section. Jade, (laughs) what does the word empowerment mean to you? I think being sovereign, empowerment is being sovereign, being aligned with yourself, being in a sovereign state. I feel like empowerment. If you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, alive or dead, who would it be and why? Maya Angelou, just, I feel like she would be phenomenal to just learn from and be in the presence of. Yeah. Okay. And lastly, if you were to deliver your last 30 second speech to the world at your corner of the world, your people, your tribe, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What would you say? What words of wisdom would you impart? It would be a rambling rant, which I'm probably <laughs> going to do now. It would be something like, we, we are multidimensional beings. We are more than our physical body, potential extension of God living in this world, which is one of many worlds, experiencing ourselves through others. There is no separation. We are all one. There are infinite possibilities. We are everything and we are nothing all at once. And we are here. And that is all we need to do is be here. Beautiful. Wonderful. Jade, thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. I appreciate you. This has been an incredibly educational experience, a wonderful chat. Can you please share with the people where they can find you on the internet, your Instagram, your website, all of that stuff, if they want to sign up for workshops? Yes. So my, probably the website, which is www.jadeshaw, S-H-A-W, that's spelt.com. But I'm really bad at technology, so I never update my website. So it's probably better to catch me on Instagram, which would be jade underscore shaw underscore astral underscore teacher, Beautiful. which I'm more active on. Excellent. Thank you again, Jade, so much for taking the time to be here. I appreciate you. This was an incredibly enlightening experience and chat with you. I am so grateful that we were able to finally get this together. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. It's been a really fun interview. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks. (laughs) Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Jade Shaw. She is an out-of-body experience researcher and astral projection teacher. Thanks so much, Jade. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. Thank you. Bye. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.